We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth! I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good afternoon and welcome to Unscripted, the film show, the show you've been waiting for. It's our top 10, bottom five films of 2022. I'm joined in the studio by Lewis and Rachel and I am Cecilia. Hello. Hello. We should have like a drum roll effect. Somehow. That's not very drum. Oh, that's like the Fox Studios thing. Oh, it is. Thank you. Yes. Yep. We've, we've um, got lots to get get through tonight. We do. We so, do. Uh, before we do, just briefly, how was everyone's Christmas? Was it good? It was interesting. Interesting. Yep. Oh, excellent. <laughs> That's that, that could bits mean one. That great. Could yeah. Either great or not great. Usually, when someone says interesting, it means it's not. Oh, good. bits of it were good. Oh, okay, nice. Other nice. bits of it were not as good. Mm-hmm. But it's all good. I hope Christmas Eve at our place was a good bit, not 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 one of the crappy. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> oh, <screw> you. <laughs> no, no, we um, you, you gifted Bryce some icy pole things. Oh, is that? And, yes, we froze the things, and um, uh, we. We had, or he had some today, so they work a treat. Oh, so that wasn't a bad thing either. I was, I was just going. Like, no, 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 no. And there was awesome pizza and those oh. those pretzel things. Mm. I mean, the food was kind of to die for. So no, yes, the the Christmas Eve event uh, was not the downfall. Sweet. So. One of the downsides was though Cecilia slept through it, which is unfortunate. I'm so sorry. I really wanted to come. I I really enjoy gathering at the um, end of the year and catching up and doing all of those bits and pieces. But uh, it just means we'll have to have another catch up. Exactly. It's funny though. Like we're all like, I wonder where Cecilia is. And I said, she probably just fell asleep. Yeah. And you're spot on. (laughs) I was spot on. I know my girl. So shall we just dive into it then? Yes. So it's the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2022 was a massive year for movies. Um, and I w- going through and doing my top ten and bottom five list, I just realised how good uh, the selection of films were that came out this year and how difficult it was to put together a top ten and a bottom five because the the bottom films, there just wasn't a lot where I just go, oh, that was terrible. I agree. Yeah, I've got a couple of real stinkers, but yeah. um, I found lots of good ones and also a lot of diversity for me in my list. So, yeah. But honestly, with my bottom movies, it's uh, with the exception of... One, possibly two. Um, the uh, the other ones are just they just weren't films that were kind of made for me. Mm. Like they were they were mm. more like uh, art housey kind of um, films. Even though the, the genre was horror, it was more art house horror. And I had a real issue with where to put this particular film. But uh, I'll talk about that more as we go through because in the first fifteen minutes of the show, which we have eleven minutes left, um, we're going to do <laughs> all keeper. of our top five and bottom tens. Uh, but we're gonna, I think we're just going to run through each of them just 
as a So we're going to do our uh, worst films oh, sorry, in the yeah. first 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to go to an ad break mm-hmm. and then we'll start working through our best ofs. So... Um, Lewis, do you want to share what your worst movies of the year have been or okay. the movies that just didn't quite... Yeah. They, they, just, they weren't up to par. Well, they just weren't, to, uh, for, for me, uh, you know, films I would necessarily want to run back to, I think. Um, my, my number five uh, film, which was actually a disappointment, something I was looking forward to, uh, Uncharted, because I played the game. And <laughs> Man, I really, I really liked that movie. Yeah. That was almost in my top ten. I really enjoyed the game, but the mo- the movie just didn't work for me. I just didn't think that the actors were the right age, and I understand maybe if they wanted to, you know, make more of these films, they might have aged into the roles, but still, just didn't work for me. Uh, at number four, bodies, 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 too obvious, uh, and it was just like not scary. So for a horror film, it was just yeah, not great. Uh, the Northman. Um, it was the, that the, the the film with um, the you know uh, people people. No, the, <laughs> it was the film about Alex the Vikings. Skarsgård? Nicole Skars- Kidman. Yeah, Alexander Skarsgård. I didn't see that movie. I just knew it had yeah. Vikings, and I'm like, it who's had, a Viking actor? Yeah, <laughs> it was just overly long and convoluted. I was like, let's get naked and fight at the end. It's like, oh god, didn't we see that in Borat? Um, <laughs> Coming in at number two is You Won't Be Alone, which is a horror film, but it's like an art house horror film. Right. The concept was great. I just didn't like the execution. So uh, that one just didn't work for me. And I know this one uh, probably was very – you liked a lot, but it was a film where – the, you had to be a fan of David Bowie and a fan of art, mm. and you had to be in that like really specific Venn diagram in the middle there. And like, I like David Bowie uh, and I like art, but this just didn't work for me. There was like bits yep. of it I was just going, oh, so Moon Age Daydream is the movie. There were bits of it I was like, yeah, I'd like to see more of that you know, interview and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But the the whole just didn't work for me. So yeah, I, it really. I mean, it's not in my bottom or top. Um, and it really is a very small subsect of people who mm. are going to enjoy that film um, as much as it is. I appreciate the artwork that went into it and how it was made, but at the end of the day, um, there were only bits of it that I really, really enjoyed and I found the rest of it a little bit too challenging. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so while I've got the mic, I may as well go through my worst movies of the year. Um, and again, there's really only a few in here that are really terrible. Um, so my number five is Falling for Christmas, which was the Lindsay Lohan um, Netflix film. Lots of logic plot holes, but, you know, it was never meant to be an amazing film. So, of course, it's probably going to end up at the bottom. Uh, Adam's Family 2 was really disappointing because um, Bryce and I absolutely loved the first Adam's Family, um, the animated one. And so we had high expectations and he still enjoyed it. But I just was really disappointed. Uh, number three was The Bubble, which was the ensemble cast Netflix thing where they were all making a movie and they were in the COVID bubble. It was just stupid and I hated it. Um, I enjoyed that one because it was stupid. It was, yeah. oh, it was so stupid. Oh. I think it was just beyond for me. Um, number two was Spencer. Again, something I had really high expectations for. I think now, Kristen Stewart. The, when she's playing Princess Diana. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think um, Kristen Stewart did an amazing job as as the role that she was playing. I just didn't enjoy the structure of the film. Um, 
or the way they went about portraying Diana. So um, I had an issue with the the thing overall, not with Kristen Stewart. She was amazing, full stop. Uh, and the worst movie of the year um, was Senior Year, which had Rebel Wilson in it. I'm pretty sure that came out this year. Maybe maybe it came out last year. But no, I think you're right. It was this year, yeah. Oh, my God. That was the worst. <laughs> um, and I have to be honest, I could not finish watching it. So, um, yeah, it was real bad. Is she still funny or is she not funny? Is that what, what's... What is no, no, it? she's still funny. It's yeah. Rebel Wilson. She's just... it's That's her humour. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is because Rebel Wilson is Rebel Wilson in every single movie... Um, you know, with that kind of humour, it kind of gets old after a while. Mm. I just kind of like, eh, I don't What's know. The, with Senior, isn't she someone who goes into a coma and then wakes up and then like is... 20, 20 years, years later. later. Yeah. So, so 20 years old and everyone else finishing a senior year. Is that the case? Yeah. So no. she's mentally still a teenager because mm. she's had this blip. Um, but yeah, everyone's moved on. Don't know how it ends. Oh, right. Because I couldn't be bothered finishing it. it. But anyway, so yeah, <laughs> worst movie. There Your you go. turn. Right, starting at number five, working my way down, I'm going to kick off with Black Adam. I just felt like there was a lot of, you know, promise with this film, particularly having um, the name is Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> sorry, attached to the film. And I feel like anytime he's in a film, you can at least get through it because he's in it. Mm, but mm. I felt like he didn't even make this film anything. I felt like it was very clunky, the dialogue was dull and it didn't even bother to develop the friendship between um, Black Adam and, and another character which was the young son. Um, I felt like they came, you know, became quite close over the course of the film and I felt like there was a, a great opportunity to develop that but I think uh, actors are only as good as the script they're given and I think the direction and script was what probably... Mm-hmm. Um, the way you're looking at me like is like Sorry. a granddad look. Sorry, it's hilarious. I, I, it's funny. <laughs> it's glasses. because they're reading glasses. glasses. Yeah, but it's like the granddad look where he, they're like. He does that to me too and it's disturbing because it's the, well, they're reading it? glasses and then he has to move them down because he's <laughs> he can see you normally but it's he has funny. to. See, that's the thing. See, Sorry. See, like when, when Rachel does it, when she moves her glasses down, it's kind of because you're a woman, that's kind of sexy. Whereas when I do it, I look like a granddad. <laughs> so it's just, I don't look like a sexy grandma. No, no, the, the grandmas don't do You that. both look great with your glasses. Oh, thank um, you. It's just because your head looked big and blurry with my glasses on. So. <laughs> big blurry. It's totally fine. You can keep no, doing it. No, that's just her head, dude. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is a film called Stars at Noon based on the 1986 novel uh, but set in a present day uh, Nicaragua. Nicar- I can never say it. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. <laughs> I can say it in my head and then when I come to say it, it doesn't execute. Um, so the, the novel is set uh, at a time of the, you know, 19. 1984 revolution, but it's set in the present day, this one. And I think it loses some of the political undercurrents that, you know, were in the novel. So it's an erotic film. It's lengthy. It just doesn't do the source material much justice, unfortunately. Uh, number three was a film called Millie Lies Low. This is a New Zealand film about a young girl who's set to uh, travel to New York to go to an architect school. Uh, she doesn't get on the flight. She is a little bit scared of flying. And then she has to pretend to all her friends and family that she's gone. So she starts taking pictures and, and pretending that she's there. I thought this was going to be a, a full-blown comedy, but it wasn't. It was more like a drama and this, oh. you know, depiction of anxiety, which is fine. I think it covered that off. But, yeah, just uh, good premise but not a good follow-through 
off the, mm. the, the, the premise. Number two was a film called True Olivia, which is kind of a biopic on about Royal Dahl, oh, yeah. uh, which came out earlier this year. I think it just glossed over some really important facts and moments and it's a very standard kind of paint-by-numbers mm, mm. uh, biopic. Uh, a lot of it felt quite forced, the acting. And my number one film that I did not like was called The Hating Game, a rom-com. I liked that did movie. You? Oh, it's a, uh, it's, it's. I mean, it's bad, but it's good at the same time. But I'll let you. I, I'll let you finish. Uh, I just didn't feel. Maybe I'm a little bit cynical towards rom-coms. I don't know. I think there's a particular audience maybe for that film, and I'm just not the audience. A rom-com, it's slightly predictable. It's um, extremely predictable. predictable. It's, a, it's, it's about two people who start out hating each other, working together, yeah. and then obviously they fall in love. Yeah. So. Um. I I think I just liked it because I was able to completely remove my brain. Brain sack and um, just you know enjoy the stupidity of it. Mm-hmm. I think I was probably. I think it has. You have to be in the right mindset because I'm not normally a, a rom com person either, and I could have normally been one of those people who were like, "Well, this is a bit crap." Um, and I think part of it is because I saw it at home, so I was in a relaxed mm-hmm. state to start off with. I hadn't travelled to go and see it, um, which I think you watched it at home as well. I did, yeah. Yeah, because it was a screener. But, yeah, I don't know. I just enjoyed not thinking. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that brings us right to the uh, quarter of the Look hour. Look how well we did. Congratulations, oh, guys. No. So we'll be back and hopefully we'll stay on track for the next part of the show. <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Back for round two. We've just completed our bottom five, our worst films for the year. Bottom five, the ones that didn't quite cut it. We're moving on to our top tens, which I think this is a good way of doing it because traditionally we've always ran through our top ten and then we do our bottom five. But it's nice mm. to get the, the bottom five out the way and now just concentrate yeah. on the good stuff. The so, good stuff, that's right. Yeah, we're going to round robin this. One, we're going to go uh, around the room, starting with uh, number 10, working our way mm. up to our best film for 2022. Who would like to start? Oh, do we want to go in alphabetical order? We can do alphabetical order if you like. So that's me. Yeah, I, uh, yeah e- even in, uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, even if it's the surnames, it doesn't work that way. But anyway, uh, go for it. My number 10 film is called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, which is kind of a fusion of science fiction, action and comedy. And without delving too much into the plot, it centres around Evelyn, a Chinese woman who owns and runs a laundromat. uh, And she... I'm not going to untangle the plot too much, but she discovers some newfound powers uh, as she travels through these multiverses, battling out challenges, uh, I suppose. But, um, yeah, interesting to see if anyone else has this on their list. Um, and I think a lot of people have seen this, so I don't need to probably uncover the plot I haven't. I, I wanted to try and watch it this week because it, it is on binge, mm-hmm. um, but I just didn't get there. Yeah, she... I think you've got to be awake and focused. Yeah, it's quite a long film, but, yeah, she manages to jump through these different universes and parallel universes, I should say, and, um, yeah... There you go. Well, she she doesn't jump through herself. She 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 gets the powers of other people in other alternate universes. Uh, but you do get to see those other universes. Yes, and some of them are very wacky. Very yeah. wacky indeed. Um, so my ten uh, number ten on my top ten list uh, is uh, Top Gun Maverick, 
which is one of the highest grossing films of the year and was just in cinemas forever and ever and ever. Uh, I only saw it the once in cinemas, but I really wanted to go and see it in D-Box, the, uh, the cinema where your seats move and stuff. But we just missed out on the opportunity because I think uh, for a, a visual spectacular, because there was so much um, practical effects in that because a lot of the flying was actual literal flying. Mm. Um, it was just, yeah, it was, you know, okay, the story was basically a rehash of Top Gun. Uh, they threw in a trench run scene as well. Um, so that, you know, put in some Star Wars in there. But at the end of the day, it was still entertaining. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I guess my number 10 spot. Um, my number 10 is a kid's movie, Turning Red. Oh, um, nice. Loved that movie. Watched it with Bryce. Uh, it is about a young girl who um, gets to her teenage years and her and her girlfriends are all, like, obsessed with a, a boy band, which felt very much like my teenagehood. I wasn't into a boy band other than the Beatles, but um, I just felt like it really reflected that age really, really well. And I think it's something that's not been done in animated film very much, if at all, um, even touches on, touches on the um, changes that mm-hmm. girls go through in that time. Um, but for the protagonist, she is turning into a red panda. So a little bit different to what most people are going through at that time. Um, but some of the music is very, very catchy. Mm, Enjoy mm. it very much. Because mm. she's uh, Japanese, isn't she? Is it Japanese or...? Oh, I can't remember. Because I just remember there was... It was a, a long time ago that I watched it. When I, was, when, I was young, when I was younger, I used to read this comic called Ranma Half where there were characters that's like, I think when they get wet, the Ranma turns from a male to a female. But there was another character who turned into a massive panda. Oh. And is it like just... Uh, I think just... It's very, you know, in, within that culture, there's a lot of this transformative kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think they were Japanese, but I can't... Rem- yeah, I think, that, I, I think they were. But anyway, if I'm wrong, I apologise. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember. Mm. Uh, your number nine, Celia? My number nine is a film called A Hero. Uh, and this is really a simple story of how quickly a lie can just spiral out of control. Uh, it's an Iranian film, uh, which is all Persian film. Um, I'm just having a look at it now. Um, I'm not too sure myself. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of centres around this guy Rahim, who's in prison because of a debt that he was unable to repay. And during this two-day uh, leave, he tries to convince somebody uh, to withdraw his complaint. Um, but things don't go as planned. And it's just this really fascinating story of, yeah, how a, a lie can really uh, spiral out of control and get you into trouble. And also the power of social media mm. as well. So Those are like my favourite kind of movies where mm. something happens and then you can't backtrack and it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And you watch the character as it all unfolds and, you know, what's going to be his next move here? Mm. How's he going to do this? And, you know, there's that moral moral dilemma as well with this film. Sorry, it's called A Hero. Nice. The um, uh, the family turning over were Chinese, so I, I uh, made, made an Chinese. Oh, thanks, Alan. Yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that it was uh, Alan oh, who sent yeah. the message. But that's all right. He's like our producer. Yes. Uh, him, and, him and Kat, like when we make mistakes, they're like, actually, mm-hmm. but like in a good way. Yeah, quite right. Uh, so uh, my number nine film for the year is a, a film called Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Uh, this one's interesting because it's a, a film about somebody with powers and the power to take over people's 
my well take over their bodies and compel them to do what she wants them to do uh and it's interesting to see how people she in uh, interacts with uh either are the victims of her power or try to uh use her powers for their own benefit um it was just a really, really well-made film, uh, fantastic cast. And, yeah, I think uh, if you have not seen this one, because it's not a, a huge, you know, well-known film. Mm. So, yeah, definitely keep a lookout for it. If you see Mona Lisa and The Blood Moon, I would give it a crack because it's a very entertaining film. I think at the moment you can only rent it on, on Apple TV. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. Um, that's all right. Um, so my number nine is Don't Look Up which was the Netflix um, TV series, or so excuse me, um, movie that had a ensemble cast um, with a massive meteor on its way to, to Earth and all the scientists trying to tell everybody, it's coming, um, get yourself prepared, we're all going to die, and basically everyone going, la, 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 I can't hear you, um, to the point where the president's, like, motto became don't look up because they're like, don't look, don't look. So it was commentary on what happens around, you know, climate change and all things where scientists are telling you to listen to them mm, mm. and people with no brains choose not to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make of that what you will. Don't, yeah, Don't Look Up was great. Really good yep. film. Mm. I, I, I do, really do enjoy it. Uh, my number eight film is a film called The Good Boss, um, which stars Javier, Javier, <laughs> Javier Bardem, uh, who won an Goya, which is like the Spanish Oscar oh, yeah. uh, for his role in this film. And it really is kind of a corporate satire film. There's a lot of political and moral interplay uh, with this film and a lot of symbolism uh, in this film as well, which um, there's a lot happening. And I think the first part of the film sets up the story, establishes the characters, and then the second half is more this entertaining bit as, uh, you know, because you've got Javier Bardem who plays Blanco, this kind of boss, and he uh, loses his cool in the second half of the film. But very, very entertaining uh, film and uh, sp- all in Spanish as well, this mm. one. So it's nice to see him uh, return to his, his roots there and he can really do anything, so... Well, he was also in another film this year, La La Crocodile. Ah, um, yes. And uh, he was very good in that as well. Very good. Uh, now, my number eight film uh, is Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Um, and th- this film is Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack, and it's pretty much a two-hander. And it's a story of a widow who has, has lost her husband, but during her marriage she never actually had uh, you know, any romance, excitement, sexual fulfilment, and it's about her like trying to find that for herself. Um, the fact that her character had never had an orgasm or anything like that into her 60s is kind of sad, you know, all that wasted time. Mm. Um, and so it's a, a film about, uh, you know, a, a woman taking ownership of her <clears throat> her own pleasure and, you know, the fact that she's uh, paying for an escort to do it, there's, you know, nothing you know, wrong with, uh, with doing that. And so it was, you know, nice to see, you know, something like this for, you know, all audiences, but in particular older audiences, to know that you know you can still be sexual at any age. Um, 
So yeah, uh, good luck to you. Leo Grand is fantastic. So I would you know find that on the streaming services or Apple TV or like you rent it kind of thing. Yeah, I'm actually sitting here writing down where these will be available because we'll put them up on our um, page to say what our top tens are, so everyone can can catch up with them. My number eight is um, a difficult watch for many people, and I th- think most people will not. Uh, choose to watch it but it is called a it's called happening it's a french movie it's set in the 60s um and it follows uh it's based on a book written by someone who based the book on her own personal experience so it's a couple of couple of um stories removed from what actually happened but it follows the fact that in france um in that time period and in many places and many places still abortion was illegal so this young girl who's got a promising future a starter college um finds herself in that predicament and she has to try to sort out uh, an illegal abortion um and yeah, it kind of follows her story and it's it's really heartbreaking and really timely um, due to some things that are happening over in the States. But um, And I think that's also why Call Jane was made as well, um, which is streaming on Prime, I think, which is good. But Happening is, is really, really interesting and well done. So, yeah, but a hard watch for most. Yeah, there's a particular scene that you kind of I I had to not watch because yes, and even the idea of it makes me my stomach turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, a few scenes like that. Yeah, very provocative stuff, but um, much needed film. Mm. So, uh, my number seven is a film called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, nice. Uh, This is a film where Nicolas Cage plays a version of himself. I just love that the film hinges on Cage's willingness to laugh at his own expense. It's this fusion of meta, comedy, action, bromance. Uh, There's also a lot of heart to this film and I don't think I've laughed so much Mm. at a film in such a long time that I just love this film. So that's my number seven. Excellent. Uh, my number seven is a uh, straight-to-Disney uh, Plus movie uh, called Prey, which is actually a Predator film. Uh, it's set in uh, the Amer- in America, you know, around when colonisation happened, everything like that. Uh, and it's a, a skilled Comanche warrior protects a tribe from a highly evolved alien predator. And it's awesome. It's just... Um, it's it's fantastic to have uh, a female lead in it. It's fantastic that the majority of the cast is actually Native American. Uh, it was just a really really good watch. So uh, it's on Disney Plus if you want to check that one out. Excellent. Um, so my number seven is a film called Drive My Car, which is a Japanese film, which was part of the Japanese Film Festival. And um, from my memory, like I know it won a lot of awards. Um, it was, I'm sure, nominated for Oscar, but whether it won or not, I don't recall. Um, so uh, it, it follows, it, it's a bit of an unusual story and when I realised, oh, I did, it won for Best International Feature Film. So it is quite a long fil- film. Uh, I believe it's just under three hours and I felt threatened by that because my... Uh, me sitting down for three hours is very difficult and it was a foreign language film so I would be reading for three hours. Um, But you've got this director who directs plays and 
uh, he's gotten a strange relationship with his ex somewhat. Actually, no. Uh, I don't think I'll go into that part of the story. Um, but, yeah, he's he's doing Uncle Vanya, which is a uh, Tolstoy, am I right? Chekhov. Chekhov. Thank you very much. A Chekhov play. Um, and he's doing it with, like, lots of different languages, including... Um, there's a deaf woman who's doing sign language as well, isn't Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I expected to be bored out of my brain and it is a very slow-moving film and for some reason when it finished I was like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. It just really pulled me in. So, um, yeah, really interesting film. That was my number seven. What have we got for number six? Number six, I've got a film called The Black Phone, uh, which is uh, based on a supernatural short story by Joe Hill, which is a pen name for Stephen King's son. Uh, But it's set in the late 70s in a small town where a child abductor called The Grabber, played by Ethan Hawke, roams in the streets kind of leaving black balloons. But his latest victim is banished through the basement with nothing more than a mattress on the floor and this, you know, black phone that begins to call. And it's uh, calls from the grabber's previous victims who help this young boy try and devise a way to escape. But I just think that I'm always weary when you have a horror film that has supernatural elements to it. But I feel like this really worked. I think that it's quite restrained with the scares so that when they do happen, they really pay off. There's no overdoing them here. It's just a really succinct uh, horror film uh, and I just felt... I just loved it. It felt very nostalgic for me. It felt very kind of 80s, 90s type. Uh, But there's no origin story to the grabber so you don't have this empathy for him whatsoever and I think Ethan Hawke just really played this role quite creepily. I was hesitant to see this movie because it involved children Mm. Um, so I expected that it would be too difficult to watch but I do still want to see it Mm. (laughs) somehow but anyway yeah. No it was really good I saw it on a plane and I really enjoyed it. Um, My number six film is Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, which Cecilia has already talked about and it's just awesome so (laughs) check it out on, on Binge I think you said before. Um, yes, it is on binge. Um, my number six is The Lost Daughter, um, which again is a difficult watch for some. Um, it does follow, um, an older woman trying to have a lovely seaside vacation and she's disturbed by a relatively large family. One of the children go missing. She's also got issues with her children in the past and it goes between her current life which is her having a vacation and her previous life um as a young mum who's trying to study um a really interesting look on how difficult it is to be a mum and how it's not all sunshine and rainbows and um yeah just a really interesting watch which I think some people will struggle with again Mm. so yeah and that is uh on Netflix There you go. We'll take a short break and we'll be back uh, delving into our top five films. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. We're more than halfway through our top ten, bottom five films of the year. We're just about to jump into our top five films. Oh, it's very exciting. Oh, so exciting, the anticipation. (laughs) Because the way I I did it, I, I don't know if you guys did it the same, is that... Uh, my top ten films, I've kind of like put in order of ones I'd really want to see again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll probably watch all these films again, but there's some I'll probably watch more than others. 
So. Yeah, I think I don't necessarily base mine on that. It's more the films that I left the cinema feeling like that is a good film. Mm. Um, That's yeah. generally how I do it. But, you know, I think it's interesting the way that you do it because, yeah, you would almost think that you would want ones that you would read. Watchability. Mm. Yeah. 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 Watchability. I think um, mine are sort of on the cusp of watchability and um, also holy crap, that's a really... (laughs) Holy crap, that's a great movie. Yeah, like a really well piece of... really well done piece of film. Um, There's quite a few in my list that I probably would never watch again, but as a piece of art, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I kind of... It's a bit of both. Mm. Yeah, Mm, it's hard. Um, Shall I just start and we can just go around that way? way if you like. Um, So my number five is Lightyear. Um... So obviously the it's the prequel to Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> um so Andy his love of this this um Lightyear character is based on a movie that he watched um called Lightyear. So we all got to watch what Andy watched um and see Lightyear's uh adventure mm. I guess and totally made me cry in parts. Uh, I watched it with my son. He originally went to see it with his best mate and then we watched it as a family and there were parts he knew were going to be like quite emotional. So just before they happened, he put his hand on me. He's like, it's all right, mum. It's all right. I know. (laughs) So I really enjoyed that. Um, not crying, but yeah, it's just a, a well-made fo- film, and I think Chris Evans do- did a great job. He did, and, and I like all the callbacks to like the lines that were used. Mm. L- you know, I was going to say later on in yeah. Toy Story, but you know what I mean. Very, very emotional. And Socks is the, uh, the the definitely the MVP of that movie. Mm, yes, the robotic cat. Um, my number five is a, a film I've seen twice so far. I think, oh. I think it's twice, maybe three. Um, it's uh, Bullet Train. Which is the, uh, the the film with Brad Pitt where he is uh, tasked to recover a, a briefcase. Um, he's got to go onto a, a bullet train in Japan. It's kind of like grab the briefcase at one stop, get off at the next stop. But things get in his way. Uh, other characters are introduced. It's it's a farcical action movie set on a train, and it is just good. Good fun, and it's like um, you know, if Quentin Tarantino did an action film, it would feel a bit like this. So, yeah, Bullet Train is is excellent. So, I would definitely um, check that out if you can uh, wherever that's showing. I don't know where. Uh, a lot of these things are rent only, rent only? Uh, okay. not not streaming. But we'll Fair we'll make enough. a note of that. Um, am I right in saying that there's a little scene in there with Channing Tatum? There is a little scene there with Channing Tatum. Okay, because well. I did watch a snippet of something, <laughs> and I was like, "Hi, oh, I think that might be from Bullet Train," <laughs> and I want to see that basically. I want to see it based on that. No, I want to see it based on some of the things that you've said and other people have said. It sounds like a fun ride. Well, also because um, uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt were all in Lost City as well. I have to be honest. I tried to watch yeah. that the other day because I'm like, here's a list of movies I'd like to try and watch. Mm. And I got about 20 minutes in and I went, you know what? No. Nah. Life's too short. It's, it's, a, it's a good fun movie. If you, give it, if, you give it, if you give it a crack, it's a good fun movie. But, oh, uh, dear. Yeah, but that, that was, I think, they, they did trade off. So they were all in his film, he was, all in, he was in their film. So I think that's what happened. But yeah. Trade-off. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, my number five film is The Batman. Oh, uh, nice. I like that this is not an origin story. I love that Robert Pattinson, who played Batman, is a very subtle, nuanced 
kind of portrayal of Batman. He's not this rich playboy character. Uh, it's uh, There's a lot of elements that work. The noir, the grittiness, the overall style and tone of this film I absolutely loved. Um, the orchestral kind of score throughout, it's incredibly well paced uh, with very little action. It, it's a very, uh, it, it's a character, a real good character study in my opinion, as well as um, having those action elements. So mm. that's uh, number five for me. My number four is So Damn Easy Going, which was part of the Norwegian Film Festival. Unfortunately, it's not available anywhere here in Australia, um, but it follows a young girl who can't afford her ADHD medication. So as a result, um, it, her life becomes difficult because it, when you have it, uh, to the degree that she has it, she finds life incredibly difficult. So she's handling that at the same time as falling in love with someone. So it's a love story as well as a story about how somebody copes um, with life when they have ADHD. And I think as somebody who has it, I feel like it was a really good representation of what it's like to be inside my brain sometimes where things are continually going off with absolutely no control. <laughs> You've got no control over them, so... Yeah, really cool film. Uh, like Lewis, okay, yes. Right. Uh, yeah, because I changed things up. Yeah. Sorry about that. Number four is a film I just saw l- last week or this week. <gasps> Please be what I think it is. I, I think it was this week. Uh, Glass Onion. Oh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, Glass Onion. Um, now, I'm just going to call it Glass Onion. Um, if you had seen uh, Knives Out previously, then you will see that Daniel Craig has come back as Detective Benoit, uh, the character he played in Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I'm saying uh, it's just calling, just calling it Glass Onion is because on Netflix it's called Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Yes. And that really pisses off Ryan Johnson, the director. Oh, um, really? Because well, he just wanted it to be like... Glass Onion, and the last one was Knives Out, and the next one will be whatever that is. But Netflix wants you to go, this is a, a sequel to oh. Knives Out, mm. and which is not really. This is this is as much a sequel as you would say, like, you know, um, Murder on the Orient Express was, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the Niles. Yeah, you've and, just got yeah, the just, pu- Puro same, doing yeah, different. It's just a character yeah. coming in and it doesn't matter. Like it's a completely yeah. different cast other than him. Um, but this, Nive, uh, sorry, um, Glass Onion is absolutely uh, exceptional whodunit detective film. Uh, it, Daniel Craig is back as uh, Detective Benoit. It's also got Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Ethan Hawke, Dave Bautista. Uh, it's the, the, the story of uh, Niles Braun, who is this billionaire, I think Elon Musk, uh, probably a bit more arrogant, if that's possible. Um, it's, uh, he's on a, his own island. He invites his friends to come to a murder mystery party at his house. Mm. Um, and uh, Daniel Craig's Detective Benoit gets somehow invited along as well. Uh, and when they all get there, murder, mystery, mayhem ensues, and it's just really fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, uh, Glass Onion is out on Netflix now, and I'd recommend if you've got nothing to do, Check it out. You had me at Catherine Hahn. Yeah. Catherine Hahn. Uh, my number four is a film called The Forgiven. Uh, this is a film that stars Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain. Uh, as a wealthy couple from London who have arrived in Morocco to attend a lavish party uh, and they, on their way, hit and kill a Muslim boy on the road and 
they're honest about it uh, and get the police involved. Uh, but the next day, the father of the boy arrives seeking answers and he requests that Ray Fine's character, David, returns to the boy's village to bury him. So, yeah, there's a, a few lessons underpinning this film, uh, but there's that kind of dichotomy between, you know, cultural abyss and, and you know, wealthy versus poor and religion, etc. So real um interesting film um right up my alley and uh wonderful acting as well um my number three is still showing at cinemas it is violent night um it is the story of santa who has an interesting past kind of sick of christmas because everyone just keeps asking for money and games and people are just greedy and he stumbles upon a an extremely rich household um like the murdochs and it it is getting um yeah robbed basically by a bunch of mercenaries he's like I can sort these people out. I've got an interesting history. Uh, it's kind of like um, if Liam Neeson from Taken was Santa. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of violence and hence the name Violent Night. And, yes, it is appropriate for Cat because you asked um, whether Cat would be into it because she's not into horrors. I spoke to another friend of mine who is not into horrors um, and it's kind of like Tucker and Dale versus, or Tucker versus, whatever Tucker that. Tucker versus Evil. That's yeah. right. Or Shaun of the Dead. Like, um, it's a comedy yeah. with extreme violence. Oh, kick-ass. Think yeah, kick-ass. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. We'll give, it, we'll give it a crack then. Please do. Uh, my number three is uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, still showing at the cinemas. Still showing at the cinemas, quite right. Um, yeah, for me, like there were some other Marvel films this year, but for me this was a standout because these guys were given such a difficult task to make a film uh, where your lead actor, your lead character has, has died mm-hmm. and, and uh, is no longer you know, around to do the part. Um, I think they, they uh, actually handled it really, really well. Uh, they, you know, introduced um, a new Black Panther. They introduced um, uh, Namor into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they completely changed the Namor character from what he is in the comics and they did such a good job with that. Um, I think for me, the, uh, the, um, the, the most valuable player in uh, Wakanda Forever was Angela Bassett as Ramonda. She had so much presence on that screen, it was ridiculous. But She was nominated for an Oscar, wasn't she? I, I don't know. For you, Best Supporting? I'm not sure yet if they, they have... Because like oh, yeah, Disney's got a real a real issue uh, with like who they're going to back for these these Oscars. Because oh. on one hand you've got something awesome like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. On another hand, you've also got Avatar: The Way of Water. So they they might be you know deciding which way they go with who they push for the uh, the different Oscars because you don't want to split the vote. Yeah. So yeah. Um, wow. So the Oscars really mean nothing. Oh, they've never meant anything. No, I know they mean <laughs> nothing, but now it's just extra meaningless. Mm, yeah. But anyway, your number three? My number three is Elvis, which uh, there's no surprise that it made my top ten. Baz Luhrmann directed this one and it just chronicles the relationship between uh, Elvis Presley, played by Austin Butler, and his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, over the course of about 20 years uh, I loved every minute of this film. It's very flamboyant, it's bright colour, fast-paced, well-acted. So that is my number three. Shall we take uh, another break and come back with our top two? Let's do it. Leave people in anticipation. Yeah. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show... 
so exciting. <laughs> Top two films Top of two. the year. Let's do it. Uh, my number two was Don't Worry Darling. Um, it had some issues, plot issues towards the end. Lots of questions. Um, but I still really enjoyed it and I thought it was very, very well made. Um, so, yeah, Don't Worry Darling. Hmm. Uh, my number two was over a decade in the making. Uh, it was shot uh, three years ago, I think, and spent two years in, in post-production. Um, it is the love child of James Cameron and it is Avatar The Way of Water. Um, as much as I <laughs> would love for him to, you know, because he can be a bit of an arrogant douche sometimes, but at the end of the day, the guy knows how to do a story and he knows how to bring it to screen. And if you do watch Avatar The Way of Water in cinemas now, don't waste your money watching it in 2D. You've got to watch it in 3D because he knows how to do 3D. And the reason that 3D died is because most people are just taking a 2D film and then in post making it 3D, whereas James Cameron shoots in 3D and um, the whole thing is made like that. So mm-hmm. when you go and see it, there's amazing depth to the screen and the characters just brought to life and it, it's, it's fantastic. So uh, Avatar The Way of Water, it's in cinemas now and it is my number two. Uh, my number two is The Menu. This is another film starring Ray Fiennes. Uh, this time he's a chef, a very renowned one uh, on this expensive island and he has some guests come over. Uh, the restaurant only seats 12 and uh, let's just say they sit down to enjoy a lavish meal but the chef has a bit of an agenda. Uh, it's a real fusion of black comedy, horror, part satire. It takes a dig at you know foodies and critics but it's got some real macabre elements to this film and overall uh, really enjoyable film not for everybody but I loved it um, my number one drum roll please uh, was a movie that's already been mentioned today and that is the unbearable weight of massive talent <laughs> and honestly I haven't laughed so hard in a very very long time um, particularly like the just the bromance that's happening between Nicolas Cage and um, Pedro Pascal's uh, character, uh, Javi, um, (laughs) I think is his name. And there's a particular scene where they take some hallucinogens. Very, very funny. Like I'm I'm anti-drugs all the way, but oh gosh. I just thinking about this, I'm crying. Funniest, funniest scene. Um, Yeah, so my number one. Mm. Excellent. Love it. Well, my number one has been uh, mentioned previously, uh, and it is The Batman. Uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of Batman. My favourite film of all time is Batman 89. <laughs> um, and I, I just think this was a you know, interesting iteration of the, the, the character. And I'm not afraid, like, of, you know, people go, oh, that's terrible, it's not my Batman. It's like, well, wait a minute, there'll be another one around the corner and that <laughs> one might be your Batman, I don't know. Um, it's not my Batman. Yeah. But that's the thing, that's the thing is like, I've been a comic reader all my life and in comics, like, you know, there's always different artists, different writers, different mm. interpretations of a character. So that's what I'm loving seeing is, is you know, a new interpretation of it. Although I don't know with um, the new uh, powers that be at DC uh, whether, you know, it'll stay the same or whether they're going to try and incorporate the Robert Patterson Batman into the new... Because he is very young, so they could do that into the new DC, but we'll still have to wait and see. But for me, that was a phenomenal film, and I saw it three times in the cinema. Wow. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. 
There you go. My number one is also a film that's been mentioned. Mm. It is Good Luck to You, Leo oh, Grant. Wow. I just thought this was a refreshing, unique, witty, well-written film and a real tender look at intimacy and it just tackled sex with such poise but I love the fact that you know Emma Thompson in this film you know you've got all ages represented I thought it was such a wonderful story uh I smiled from ear to ear I loved how she was brave Uh, she was just such so brave in this film I I really loved every second of this so that was my number one very cool I thought it was, it was really good that, like, yeah, there were a couple of crossovers, but not many. No, artists. there generally yeah. isn't with us. And mm. I think it's what makes um, our show really interesting, I think, is because we all are interested in different things. Yeah. Yeah, I had the, like, I had a few more things on my list that uh, obviously had to get cut. Um, Spirited, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I thought that's a fantastic film. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, it was okay, but not great. Um, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, again, the same thing. And The Villa, uh, which was um, set in France. It was uh, old, old folks' home, old people getting ripped off by the... Um, the uh, the people that run the place and it was just a really interesting story. Hmm. Mm. Um, I only have a couple of honourable mentions. Lewis saw 67 movies this year. Mm. I pushed out an extra couple um, this weekend or hasn't been the weekend. Anyway, <laughs> who knows time during this time. Um, but, yeah, I squeezed in Scream and um, Thor, Love and Thunder just so I could say I'd seen 41 films. Like, I feel a bit better about mm. that. Um, but they didn't end up in my honourable mentions either. So uh, honourable mention for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Thanks for making me cry at the end. Um, and also Encanto, only because it came out on the 26th of December 2021 before we did our top ten list and I'm pretty sure it would have made my top ten. So, um, Including it this year. And then, yeah, that's right. And and I watched lots of TV this year, so um, just quickly run off um, the, the best TV. Inventing Anna, Russian Doll Season 2, Stranger Things Season 4, I think it was, Man vs. Bee, um, great to watch if you've got a kid. Um, we watched it twice. Um, Dope Sick and The White Lotus ba- both came out last year but I watched them this year both fantastic and Colin from Accounts came out on the 1st of December it's an Australian made um, comedy slash yeah there's touching bits in it um, and it's <laughs> wait a minute now when you say touching bits is it like emotional or are they just touching both, bits both oh, both okay um, honestly people are going to get sick of me telling them to see this TV series uh, I binged it all in two days on binge, <laughs> um, binge. very appropriate and um, I'm now re-watching it with Chris and he's loving it too so um, and I just listened to Patrick Brammel and Harriet Dyer who are a married couple who wrote this together um, they were flying home for Christmas I just listened to an interview oops and they're like um, yeah we flew home economy because it's the flights are so expensive and Harriet Dyer's like the movie the TV show's just come out and we're all over trams do you think people are going to recognize you yes darling they are going to recognize you so I'd be interested to find out how her flight was but Colin from accounts binge watch it it's amazing binge binge uh, a couple of honorable mentions I've got uh Nope, which is the latest from Jordan Peele, who's uh, 
I think it's an interesting film. I think there's a lot of themes in this and you're going to get more than you bargain for going in with this film. It's very Jordan Peele, so you can expect that. Uh, there's a lot going on under, underneath the surface of this film. Uh, and I also had Scream on there and only because I felt like what made this so fresh was its ability to poke fun Mm. at, you know, familiar horror tropes and, and cliche, cliches, etc. It's kind of a heavy meta film, but it kind of mocks its own existence. Yeah, um, agreed. Fun. And I think you'll agree with me, there's a scene in this film, you know how you have that traditional jump scare where you're anticipating mm. seeing the, the slasher? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That scene in the kitchen where... Yeah. They're opening. It was I can't remember. If it was it's Wes. Yeah, it's Wes. First, he opens one door. There's no one behind it, and the music builds. You're expecting. Yeah, it happens like three or four times, but like, and you just expect it to happen. So yeah, they but did I, well. I like that. It takes aim at the modern horror world as mm. well. So I thought for a bit of a reboot, it was actually quite a good film. Excellent. Uh, well, before we do head off, uh, Alan Randall sent in his uh, top ten, bottom five. This is a mixture of movies and TV. Um, so his top ten films are from number ten to number one. That's uh, like films and movies, uh, TV, whatever. Uh, so top ten: uh, The Batman, Obi Wan Kenobi, Moon Knight, She Hulk, Turning at Law, Prey, Ms. Marvel, Turning Red, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Guys of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and at <laughs> number one, The Extraordinary Attorney Wu, which I think that's on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, I um. I really want to watch that because uh, I believe she's autistic and, um, yeah, I, I really want to say it. Uh, his bottom five, uh, Lightyear, Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear. Death on the Nile, Uncharted and Morbius. And he's thrown in a couple of honourable mentions for All of Us Are Dead, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Bandits, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Adam, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and Werewolf by Night. I um, I watched uh, Thor today and I, I did a lot of what there's while I was watching it. Like they've really over pushed the humour to a point where it's like, yeah, we get it. He's changed from being boring to being super humorous. But I think they just went a little bit too far. So, um you know, it was all right. <laughs> there you go. Some fantastic films mentioned. And, yeah, it's great to see not too much of a crossover. So we've actually covered off on quite a lot of films yeah. there, which is great. And um, some great films. I think we've all got a bit of a list going as yes. to what we might go and, and find now and watch. And hopefully everyone else is doing the same. And I think we'll all get onto our Facebook and post our top ten, bottom fives of the year. If we can... Find where they are on uh, the, the the streaming services and yep. stuff like that. We'll chuck that up mm. there as well. Um, but yeah, I think next week show we'll probably. There, I do have um, uh, a film to review that I saw the other day. Um, can't remember for life what it is. The um, the Fablemans is out next week, so oh, yes, definitely yes. we'll chat about that. Uh, and and the, oh, there's another film called Emily, which is either next week or the week after. But some some films creeping out already that um, we've already had the the mm. opportunity doing the Oscar bait stuff. Uh, so Fablemans is I I feel like a, an Oscar bait film. Oh for sure. Yeah for sure. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you in 2023. See you then. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.